Welcome to The Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Rabbi B. This is The Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I am Baruch Levy, Rabbi B, and I am delighted that you have tuned in and that I have a very special guest on with me. Um, my good friend, Scott Schaffman, has joined me on this podcast, and I'm going to introduce Scott in just a second. But my commitment with the Defiant Spirit is to continue to share theory, um, the inspiration of really three important movements and uh, philosophies of my life that I use every day, both with myself and with clients. Um, and that is the work of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, and um, Buddhist mindfulness meditation practice. So spirituality, where that meets logotherapy, the work of Dr. Viktor Frankl, Holocaust survivor and founder of logotherapy. Logos means meaning. So it's meaning-centered living, philosophy, and therapy. And lastly, the Enneagram a system, a roadmap of how to apply all of this spirituality and meaning and find it in our lives, particularly where we get stuck, when we get stuck. And so bringing that all together is the defiant spirit. And I've been doing a lot of talk about the theory of the defiant spirit, but one of the reasons why I have Scott on is because I want to talk about it where the rubber meets the road, reality. I'm not interested in theory. I want to live a better life, a good life, a life of meaning and purpose. And as we'll talk about today, a, a life or a path with heart. And so that's where I want to introduce my good friend, Scott. Scott, what's going on, brother? Oh, that was, that was really cool. Um, I, I love what you had to say and how you uh, introduced yourself and, and, and the studies that you've, you've had over the, you know, your journey. So thank you. And now I want to introduce you, uh, you know, a little formally, but nothing really formal about our work together, our friendship. So just a, a brief snapshot. Uh, most importantly, Scott is a, uh, he's a mensch. He's a good man. He wouldn't say that, but I would say that. Um, he's very humble. And so I'll sing his praises a little bit right now. He's, um, um, he's married. Amy is his beloved partner and two beautiful daughters in uh, Layla and Gabriella and um an amazing dog that keeps you up all night i know that much mm -hmm. forgot, forgot your dog's name though Maisie. Maisie's Maisie. is definitely the one that, even last night it's like nonstop. every night something's going on so the one who challenges your heart for the most is probably Maisie. uh but you still have a good heart right and now yes <laughs> at the moment and among many other things um uh, scott is also a uh, business professional in the mortgage industry. Um, it's hard not to know who you work for since it's right on your, uh, it's right on your shirt there. Guild My mortgage billboard. <laughs> and he runs the Shaftman group. Anything I missed? Do you want to share about yourself? Um, no, I think uh, that's, that's pretty much it. We have, we have Maisie and Dylan. So we have two dogs, but other than that, um, yeah. Busy man, busy man. Um, so Scott and I go way back. We have been friends since college and we, um, 
we're always close, but I would say, you know, in the same circle, but kind of on other, maybe opposite edges of the circle, but always in the circle, challenging each other, both of us. And then we, you know, drifted as uh, life takes us in different ways. We all know how that goes. And yet we were reconnected in a very um, tragic and yet profound way. The uh, death of our mutual good, dear friend and brother, uh, Mark, a couple of years ago at this point. And um, that's when we formally reconnected. I don't think we were ever really disconnected, but we started talking. It kind of grew into formally talking, setting time on calls. It grew into uh, more of a professional relationship where I entered into your life, both professionally and personally, to share with you some of these thoughts. And in the process, we've been together now for almost a couple of years doing a lot of deep work. And I can say, truly, it's mutual work um, on, in our calls, on our time together. Um, you've helped me grow as much as I've helped you, but that's where we've come from and where we are. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the journey that um, I've been on over the last few years would not be possible if it wasn't um, for you in my corner and for the unfortunate passing of our dear friend, Mark Ehrman. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes the stars align and, you know, they may not have been aligned for us, um, you know, 30 years ago, but they are absolutely aligned um, today with you and I. And I, I feel uh, just a, a very connected to you and um, in, with everything that you've been able to help me with. So, you know, let's, let's not um, leave that behind too quickly, even though I do want to get on to, you know, some focused questions and conversation about a path with heart. And I'll tell you why, but staying with our friend, Mark, um, I said, I've told you, I sit in meditation every day and I um, envision Mark and my dad around a campfire it's in my mind's eye. I can see them. I think it's more than my mind's eye. I do think there's spirit and that spirit continues on. And I just feel um, such a connection with Mark in so many ways, but not the least of which when we talk together. And he probably enters into our conversation, maybe not every time, but he's certainly there. I feel behind the scenes every time. And I just say that because to me, that's how we have to live our life. Um, it's a tragedy. There's no way, shape or form other than saying it's a tragedy that Mark isn't physically in this world. But as we've talked about many times, what's the alternative to leave it as just a tragedy with no meaning or to find meaning in it? And I, I do believe Mark is smiling every time you and I talk. I can feel the meaning in that. I know you feel it too. Well, I think he's sitting on that little love seat that you have behind you, right over your left, <laughs> your left shoulder. <laughs> That's where he is right now. <laughs> no, he's with us. I feel it in our conversations. And, For sure. And that's I a, agree. So we'll dedicate this to our brother, Mark, and continue. That on. sounds great. So why don't you share a little bit about um, maybe what, everything that led up to our formally starting work and, mm -hmm. you know, how or why you engaged me and share as much or as little as you want. Okay. Um, well, that's a really good question. So I think um, the best way that I can try to summarize my journey and where I've been in my life and where I am today is I look at it like for let's just say 48 years of my life I was 
living in a 1980s style house. Okay. You had your dining room, you had your living room, you had your bedrooms, your kitchen, everything was disconnected with walls um, separating each room. Reason I'm bringing that up is I feel as though uh, my life was like that. Like I had relationships. I had, when I say I had friendships, I had, you know, from, you know, way back when, and then I had my work friends and then I had my parents and then maybe Amy and the girls and then, you know, my extended family. And I almost feel like I was almost like a chameleon trying to fit in every time um, I went from one room to the next. Okay. Changing my behavior a little bit, changing maybe the way that I acted, trying to just assimilate. Um, that's probably the best way to describe it. And over the last two years, um, I feel as though that I am now trying to live in a night, a 2020 single family open sprawling ranch with no walls and just trying to be the most authentic, true person that I am. Um, I think for a really long time, um, I hid part of who I was because I don't know if I was necessarily, I probably was ashamed of it. Um, you know, I'm very sensitive. I've got a very emotional side to me. I, um, and I think that I, uh, I probably tried staying away from that because it, I wasn't very comfortable expressing myself, um, even though there may have been certain emotions that I feel, but I, I kept them inside. And um, I just, I think over the last two years, I'm just like, um, I'm done with, you know, trying to fit in and really just trying to live my best, most, <clears throat> most authentic life. And um, I, I feel really good. I feel like I, uh, I, um, I've gotten to know myself a lot better. I've been reading a lot of books about just growth and um, a lot of Brene Brown, a lot of Eckhart Tolle, um, just really trying hard to be a better listener, trying to connect more with the people that I um, interact with on a daily basis, whether they're my friends, whether it's my family, my wife, my kids, just trying to be as present as I possibly can. And that's a struggle because I've got a lot of built-in anxiety. Um, and, uh, and for a lot of my life, I was always worried about the future or concerned about what had happened in the past. And, and I'm just trying my hardest to just live in the, in the present and in the now struggle because I'm not always able to do that. But when I am in the now, it's the, it's the best. It's like, here I am. It's like, I feel blessed. I feel grateful that I'm, that I'm alive. I had COVID, you know, a few weeks ago and it ran through our family and we're all good and we're healthy. So it's, 
Yeah, that's uh, that kind of summarizes. Great summary. Wow. Um, a little so, bit of where I am right now. So much there. And I want to I want to explore a lot of it. Um, you know, this is just for people listening. This is all we really do right on in our time together. We just talk about these ideas and we listen to where we're being pulled today, which area. And I remember when we started, it was it was compartmentalized, literally, because you engaged me both uh, professionally and personally. I do a lot of work with um, business professionals, um, business owners, having spent a lot of time in that world. And I really love both those worlds, but I love doing exactly where what you have done and where we have gotten, which is there are no compartments other than the ones we create, but we have a life. And that life is an open floor plan. I, by the way, I stole that and used it in a mm. video, the open floor plan. I, I, I think I, I didn't use your name. I didn't want to out you, but I did reference you. It's a great image, right? Because we, we construct these homes, so to speak, with all these rooms. And I grew up in one of those homes. I remember that there was a room we never even used. Like the mm. living room was just sat there empty all the time. I just remember looking back going, why do we have this floor plan if nobody actually wants to use that room? We all live over here in this one little corner. Mm-hmm. And our work together has just been like uh, uh, emotional, psychological, spiritual remodeling. Mm-hmm. Taking down remodeling. the wall. I like it. Taking down the walls. And it's the same house. It's the same life. It's just experientially, it's different. It feels different. That's what I've witnessed on your journey. And I've seen it um, go from like, let's work over here professionally, let's work over here personally, let's talk about marriage, let's talk about et cetera, as opposed to let's just talk about my life. And I've used the imagery uh, with you many times, I'll share it again. It's the, I call it expansion of a circle. You know, I'll start out with working with uh, business professionals and they'll say like, let's expand over here. I'm like, but your life is a circle. If you expand one way, it becomes an oblong. It's not a circle anymore. A true circle expands in all directions. You can work on your personal life. It expands the other direction in your professional life. You can work over here on issues with your whatever addiction is. And over here, it improves your parenting, right? And so I've seen you just kind of grow the circle. Is that a a fair image? Yeah. I mean, the word that jumps out to me is abundance. And I feel as though that you, you're absolutely correct. And um, just trying to be um, my authentic self and just own who I am has uh, like, has expanded that circle and in all aspects of my life. Um. So let's, let's continue on that word because you use it. I'd say if there's a word I hear you use more than any, there's like a top five and you know what they are, but one mm-hmm. of them is authenticity. Um, why is that word so important to you? I would say mm. of the past two years, I can't imagine there was a conversation we had that it didn't come up. Well, I think um, something that I've realized how important it is, 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 being truthful, honest, having clarity. Um, and with that and being truthful to me, right. And who I am and owning what I've, my mistakes and, you know, along the way, but also forgiving myself for the, the things that I've done in the past. Um, 
but now if I do make a mistake, um, owning it and just being truthful and honest. And it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not perfect at home or at work. And when I'm not perfect, I'm just going to have to apologize and own it and move on. And I think that has always been a true struggle for me, um, is, is taking accountability for something that maybe I haven't done that was right. And, uh, I, I think that's part of like this authentic self of, of me that I've struggled with for so long and now I'm really exploring it. Um, and it's, uh, it's hard. It's, I I grapple with it, but I'm, the more I am just, just owning, you know, what I do and, 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 and who I am just, it feels right. It's, it's powerful. I I remember um, I had this conversation with my grandfather when I was in high school and um, I did something he didn't approve of. And he took me aside and he told me to go look in the mirror. Um, I shared this with you before, but I'll share it with our audience. And he told me to go look in the mirror and come back to him and tell him what I saw. And I didn't have much of an answer. Um, certainly not one that he was satisfied with. And he told me that about a poem, I'm trying to pull it up. I didn't have it ready. Mm-hmm. And the poem is called The Guy in the Glass. I think I shared it with you. I'm just going to read it because it's just so amazing. It was written in 1934. When you get what you want in your struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that guy has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the guy staring back from the glass. He's the fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear up to the end. And you've passed the most dangerous, difficult test if the guy in the glass is your friend. You may be like Jack Horner, a famous guy back then, and chisel a plum and think you're a wonderful guy, but the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. You can fool the whole world down the pathways of years and and get pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the guy in the glass. I swear, every time you talk about Mm. these things, this poem comes up over and over for me. Have you heard it before um, I shared it with you? Well, I've heard it before today because you've shared it with me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I remember uh, a few years ago, it was probably a year and a half ago-ish when you asked me about looking at myself in the mirror and I struggled with it. Like I, I really had a hard time looking at myself in the mirror. And I think it's because, um, that I was on this, the beginning part of this journey and I just didn't like what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, I mean, it's so, it's so there's so much truth to this. It's like now I can look at the mirror and I'm like, huh, Oh, I'm starting to kind of like you now. It's like I'm starting to really, you know, be who I am and and not hide behind certain walls and and you know just own my you know have I have my values and I stand behind those and just uh, think there's as so, <laughs> it's so silly but something as simple as just looking at yourself in the mirror, looking at your eyes in the mirror 
how powerful that can be and how if it if you can't then you're not comfortable with yourself and there's tension and there's just not the the alignment's not there it's it's so brave first of all i mean a sharing that with millions of my followers <laughs> just kidding. i wish it was millions um, <laughs> but um no but it's just so brave to make it to say it to yourself to say it to another person to say it publicly so just start there. Like, let's not, let's not gloss over that. Um, the work I do with people, especially successful professionals and, you know, my kind of area of expertise is men, successful professional men are not in the business literally and figuratively of being honest, right? Even if they're good guys, the, the corporate world, the, the, the marketplace doesn't always reward truth-telling doesn't always re reward or encourage, I should say, uh, and support vulnerability for sure. So, you know, that is something that I think we're really touching on that two years ago, mm. vulnerability was off limits. If somebody goes to the mirror and they can't hold their stare, because that's vulnerable. And, uh, you know, Brene Brown talks about vulnerability and I really tried owning that as much as I can because... I've really, I, for 48 years of my life, I had an ego and I fed my ego and I tried being this person that I really wasn't. Okay. But I wanted to be seen, um, with whatever I was doing, whether it was holding a, a giant key on Facebook saying, Oh, look at me. I, you know, closed on another mortgage or, you know, uh, bragging about certain accomplishments that I've had. That's not, that doesn't, that's not true to who I am. Um, and just really trying to make sure that when I do emote, and especially in a, in a, in a platform where others are going to be able to see, it's got to come from, um, you know, gratitude. It's got to come from my true self and my true authentic self. With all that being said, I think my true authentic self is vulnerability. I, I just, I, I think that's a part of me. It's a, it's a major part of you. I want to come back to that. I think we have a couple more podcasts in us. I want to come back to how you've integrated that into your business and that the values of your life can't be different than the values of your business and it can't be platitudes i don't I, let's hold off on that one i want to come back to what it's like to be an enneagram two which is what you're describing for those who don't know the enneagram it's a personality psychological spiritual energetic system from thousands of years ago uh, maybe people have you know seen the picture of it butterfly is my addition but this is the enneagram and um you know you as we've talked a lot about we've used the enneagram two is this it's called the considerate helper and even from the outset, like that doesn't really jive with our culture as a boy, as a young man, as a man, the considerate helper, right? And we could go down that whole path of how our society, culture, families, all of us, right? Start pushing us into parts of the Enneagram that aren't necessarily us. And we try to pretend, right? We reward in our culture, the three, the competitive achiever. So the two right next door, just kind of I should be over here, but I feel like I'm over here, but I should be over here, right? And it, that's that's a lot of your journey. I should be, but I am. 
and just kind of coming to terms with, but I am. And looking in the mirror and starting to say, this is who I am. And I guess I come back to that because my grandpa warned me, told me at 18, be your Enneagram type, be yourself, be you. Because if you don't have that, you can't look in the mirror. And if you can't look in the mirror, you got nothing. He told you, at, you, you said at 18? I was a teenager. I was like going into college. And um, so you remember that, huh? He took me aside. I was doing something that really just, he was a man of integrity. He fought in World War II. He sacrificed uh, so much. He was uh, D-17, D-Day, um, a great man just all about integrity and values. And he, um, he almost warned me. And he, I think he saw where I was headed and that, that, my, that my life wasn't aligning with my values. And that's when he gave me that poem. So I've had that poem. I wasn't ready to receive the poem. I had it, but I wasn't ready to receive it until at least well after college. <laughs> I mean, that's different, you know, I, you can read it, but if you don't receive it, if you don't really truly hear what um, he was saying, then it's, it does, it's just words. So, but he, um, he was, it was almost like a vision because I've shared this many times, you know, about it. I've shared it with my viewers. You know, my father took his own life and he took his own life. Everybody, you know, suicide is different. His was really about an alignment issue. He wasn't living his values. It was, compartmentalized to the point where he didn't know who he was anymore. And he was just compartments, right? And he couldn't see the beauty of the open floor plan. It's all you. And it's all, it all has its purpose in its place. You have to be willing to open it up and look at it. And that's really what drove me to you and, and my work with other, especially, you know, like 40 year old to 60 year old men in particular, but I work with all kinds of people who are saying, I can't live that compartmentalized anymore. I won't. I won't do it. And you, you just made that stand, a bold, brave stand. Whether or not you did it consciously, I don't know if either of us know, but you did it. Here we are. Well, I think um, I was done living the morning of life and I was ready to live the afternoon of life. And, you know, I, uh, and here I am. And it just, it's exciting. So um, I would just love to share a, a passage from a path with heart. It's a book I'm reading and it's by Jack Cornfield for anybody who's interested in path with heart. Jack Cornfield, one of the pioneers of bringing Buddhism to the West, to America. Um, it's an amazing book, but in it, he quotes um, Carlos Castaneda, who was another pioneer in spirituality, um, wrote uh, a lot of important books. He quotes Castaneda. And, and then this, I just read it um, last night and I texted Scott and I sent it to you. I said, this is you, like, this is your passage. So tell me how and if this resonates. And then I think people can use it as a blueprint in their own life. That's why I want to share it. Look at every path closely and deliberately. This is, um, this is Don Juan, the mentor, talking to Carlos Castaneda. Look at every path closely and deliberately, he says to the mentee. Try it as many times as you think necessary. Then ask yourself and yourself alone one question. The question is one that only a very old man asks, like my grandpa. My benefactor, my teacher told me about it once when I was young and in my blood was vigorous, too vigorous for me to understand it just like you. Now I do understand it and I will tell you what it is. Here it is. Does this path have a heart? 
If it does, the path is good. If it doesn't, it's of no use. Mm -hmm. Does this, does this path have a heart? <laughs> I feel like if there was a template that you were putting on your life for the past two years to see if, does it fit this template? This mm -hmm. might be the one. Does that, does this register? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, <laughs> um, I, I just think that it's just, it's having that, that full alignment, like really owning who you are and your truth and, and feeling that following your heart and following your gut and listening to yourself and acknowledging your, your instincts. Uh, I, I, that's, that's beautiful. It was really, really, um, I love that. I got to read that book. Does, does this path have a heart? But there's a shadow side to it. And you've dealt with the shadow side. We all have. Because if you put this template on something and it doesn't fit, now you got a predicament. Right. It's like, do you do the right thing or do you do the wrong thing? And what I always tell my daughters is if you have to think about whether it's right or wrong, I can almost guarantee you it's wrong. <laughs> right? That's what he said. <laughs> Does if this, you have to think about whether it's right or wrong, is wrong. Does this path have a heart? If it does, the path is good. If it doesn't, it's of no use, right? Does this path have heart? Um, uh, all right, I'm starting to go down this, like... Yeah, if there's hesitancy, then it definitely doesn't have heart, right? <laughs> that's that's part, of the, it's part of the litmus test to figure out, like, is this my path? Whatever it might be. But then there's a consequence. And I know you've dealt with this. I certainly have. Okay. I either get rid of the template, this mantra, this mission, this commitment of path with heart, or I choose a different path. And that's, all, that's not as always easy said as done. Right. I know you've come to paths where you put this template on there and go, it doesn't have heart, not anymore, not for me. Now what? Yeah. I mean, that's... Um... You know, I've had to shift a little bit in, in my life over the last few years. And um, but I, I have alignment and it feels great. And it's uh, it's because I followed my path that feels right. So it's it's not without sacrifices. I went through this when I retired as a congregational rabbi. I didn't have this template, this this, this mantra. Um, you know, but I, I intuited it nonetheless, and I put it over my life and I basically went through and I had to admit that there were certain things that were in alignment heart and there were certain things that weren't. And one of them that wasn't was being a congregational rabbi, um, wasn't bad, wasn't good, just wasn't mine. And I felt myself going through these motions and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't, um, why I just wasn't alive anymore. And now in retrospect, I understand it's because I had put this over it and it said, this isn't my path. It's not my heart. So Something you knew, like you knew. I did. Maybe not right away, but at some point in time, it, that whisper got louder and louder. It's what Oprah talks about, the whisper. You whisper in your head. You got to pay attention to that. That's right. It's not easy, especially in a culture that um, oftentimes rewards um stability comfort 
security, job security, right? So anybody listening, like if you're on a path that doesn't feel like it has heart, of course, you know, first of all, you're not weak, bad, wrong for sticking with it. Like sometimes life is complicated. And, um, you know, especially the people I work with, thousand responsibilities, thousand demands. So, but it's just about at least becoming conscious of it willing to ask the questions, pay attention to it. And you, you've been, uh, you've been paying attention now for a few years. I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, you're, you're really, you're, you're an inspiration. I wanted to bring you on to, sh- to really show and talk to our listeners about the reality again, where the rubber meets the road, that this stuff is not theory. This is the stuff of life, right? This defiant spirit is real. It's within us. It's always there. I, uh, I will wrap up in a second, but that to me is one of the greatest um, reminders of Viktor Frankl. He talks about, you know, the body breaks, the mind can get sick, mental illness, and we grow old. And, but there's a piece of us called that he calls it the noetic, but the spirit is always untouched, always uncompartmentalized, right? Never turned into the 1980s, uh, you know, divided house. It's always whole. And we got to go in and find it. And to me, that's always been important because, and I've seen it in your journey. I guess I just want to echo what you said. I don't think you've become somebody else. I think you've returned to who you are. Has that been your experience? Yeah, but I think ever since I was, (laughs) we talk about this, but ever since I was probably five years old, like I've been pulled away who my true self was. And uh, it's just, um, yeah. It's, but he was there. He was there. Yeah, I was there and it, and it came out, you know, my true self, I'm sure came out a lot, you know, just not all the time, not all the time. And um, I'm just ready for it to be a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Well, that's the work of our, of our lives. And uh, I don't know if we get there before we die, but we just keep striving towards Try. transparency Scott Schaffman's word, authenticity, right? We're going to, that's not trademarked, copyright. So, wow, this has been, this has been great. Um, And for those that listen, I mean, this, this is basically what we, we do. We talk about this kind of stuff on a weekly basis. And um, we, what's funny is that we always say, oh, we should have videoed that. We should have taped that one. That was really good. <laughs> so we did this time. <laughs> you're, a, you're a bold and open-hearted man for sharing this um, and, and giving this gift to, to the, our listeners. It's truly, it's going to open minds. It's going to open hearts and hopefully it's going I to. So that, that would be great. Right. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, it would be. And it will be. And I have like six more topics that we're going to get to over the coming uh, weeks, months and years. So thank you. Let's for do it. All right, brother. I'm ready. All, All right. right. Take, take care, everybody. Shalom. Right, shalom namaste and peace. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast. I would love to hear from you, to get to know you, to set up a discovery call, to see how we might work together. I work with clients across the world by phone or Zoom to discover deeper meaning and greater purpose at what I call life's tees. Tests, transitions, trials, traumas, tragedies. If you're at one of life's tees and you're looking for deeper meaning and greater purpose, then please reach out to me and I can help you discover, awaken, and live the defiant power of your spirit. Until we meet, shalom, salam, namaste, peace.